Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome along to Paper Talk Extra. I'm Peter McNamara and I'm joined in the studio today by Rob McNamara. We're going to discuss the Cyrus Christie incident of racism on social media. And we're also going to take a look at the Liverpool and Chelsea game. But we're going to begin, myself and Rob are going to discuss the whole issue of social media and the impact it can have on players' lives. Certainly in the case of Cyrus Christie, who of course was racially abused on Twitter... Um, and has since gone to the Gardaí about the incident. Um, Rob, clearly, in light of comments from Cyrus and previous comments from the likes of Lee Chin, there is a massive problem still in Irish sport in terms of racism. Would you agree or disagree? Um, I don't know if there's um, there's a problem with racism from say Irish fans um, uh, in the stadium. But certainly, I mean there are keyboard warriors out there who um, have these uh, ridiculous notions of um, you know how someone should be qualified uh, to play for their country. I mean I've news for this idiot who, who came out with this um, racist abuse. Ireland's greatest ever player was a black man. Paul McGrath, the Black Pearl of Vinci Um Ireland is a multicultural society, you know. Having pride in where you're from is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but this misguided nationalistic nonsense um, is, is born out of, of plain stupidity. And um, it's just unfortunate that these fools have a platform to give their views. And unfortunate that a player like Cyrus Christie, who's been a good servant to Ireland... Um, has slotted in well for Seamus Coleman um, at right back has to be subjected to this nonsense you know well, the other thing is we don't categorically know that it was an Irish supporter that said this on Twitter um, the indications are that it was from players within the camp and stuff like that but not necessarily the case but regardless of that in general in sport in Ireland do we have an issue with racism I don't obviously, it's not. Obviously, it's not as half as bad as it would have been in the past. But there are still instances that you would hear of, unfeeling instances and stuff like that, whereby players are subjected to racial abuse, which is just incredible. Really, well, well the only one that I'm aware of um, was uh, an incident at uh, Tony Park, I think, back in 2012, when a banana was thrown onto the pitch in front of, I think it was Mario, Mario Balotelli of Manchester City. Um, when they were playing a friendly there against, um, I think it was a Munster 11. And that's the only kind of high-profile incident that I can think of. I think... Um, well, uh, we know that Lee Chin, for example, in the GA has, in, in the past, uh, over the years, not necessarily recently, but over the years, has experienced. Yeah, for, uh, not just Lee Chin, but other... Uh, I think I think the, the type of abuse that you're talking about is 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 different from from 
online abuse they're, they're two different things as you said we don't know if this person was True. an Irish supporter and his view certainly wouldn't um, be reflected by Irish supporters as a whole of course um, yeah you know so what do you th- so what do you think will come of this do you think the situation will improve or will it just remain the same I think it's a situation I, I, I think it's something I mean it's, it's a social media problem um, I mean, as I said, I'm not aware of any high-profile incidents in Ireland besides the one that you've mentioned there, Leach in the GA player, and this other incident. And I think this incident is a social media matter and needs to be dealt with by the Gardaí, first of all, and then by the social media companies that are responsible. Should it be some sort of filtering system from the likes that we just say, Twitter and Facebook for this, like if they... Probably possible to do, but it has to be some sort of way of blocking this from getting to the, getting to the, the person that's aimed at. Is there? I'm sure there are, but are big companies like Twitter and Facebook and you know Snapchat are they willing to do that kind of work? Is it something that's going to be cost beneficial for them? We don't know. Mm. Um, look, I mean, there's always going to be this nationalistic nonsense that's flying around the place. I mean, we're we're bound by territorially demarcated borders which were drawn up 400 years ago in the Treaty of Westphalia. As I said, having pride in where you're from is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but nationalistic nonsense has no place in sport. And I think the reaction to this uh, just goes to show that Irish people accept now that Ireland is a multicultural society. And, I mean, as I mentioned previously, possibly the greatest player in Irish history was Paul McGrath, a black man. I mean, most, most of the players... Who, who you would note as being our greatest players were born outside of Ireland. I just made a list of them here. Mark Lawrenson, Mick McCarthy, John Aldridge, Ray Houghton, Kevin Kilbane, Kevin Sheedy, Shea Brennan, Andy Townsend, Jason McIntyre. You know, they were all born outside of the, the island of Ireland. And, I mean, they still represented the shirt and still had pride in the shirt and still gave 100%. So to, to tell someone like Cyrus Christie to go off and play for Jamaica makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But again, I suppose we don't know categorically. It was an Irish fan. Anyway. Well, obviously you couldn't call this person an Irish fan, an Irish, potentially an Irish citizen, we'll just say, because calling him an Irish fan is, is giving him way too much rope altogether. Um, Look, racism is, is, is born out of a fear of you know some sort of misguided fear and these people need to get out of their bedrooms turn off the computer and take a look at Irish society Irish society you know is, is, is multicultural and uh, people that come into Ireland from other cultures only add to our culture they don't take away from it mm. they make Ireland a better country and I, I mean I'm glad to see uh, us picking up players that have a connection to Ireland because it's, it makes our squad better because we don't have the investment in the League of Ireland to be producing our own players so we have to look elsewhere you know and Cyrus Christie has been a great servant to Ireland in, in, since he's, he was first capped Keeping an eye on the underage teams within the Irish the FEI the Irish setups throughout the we just said the 15, 16, 17 whatever there are more and more black players involved with those teams do you think that will have an this will have an impact on them? Yeah, well, I mean, they'll be looking at this um, kind of situation now and, I mean, they'll be thinking about wearing the green jersey for the underage teams and again in, in the future. And I'm sure it does have an impact on their confidence to be able to to be in that sort of an environment, to go into a dressing room 
and then you know to come out of that onto the pitch and have to deal with the general public um, it'll certainly inform their, their decisions you know in, in terms of the future you know what nation that they choose if they have the option to choose another mm-hmm. nation and like I think you know UEFA and FIFA both have um, anti-racism campaigns that they run uh, very strongly especially at big tournaments I think in Ireland and in the UK as well more needs to be done to combat um, racism I mean obviously there are initiatives in the Premier League and whatever but it needs to be clamped down on more um, in the stadiums but again this situation is someone behind a screen on a computer you know what can be done about that Mm, very good very very true very true you mentioned the Premier League there we we move on to a game that okay there's obviously the usual 10 games in the league this year but this weekend but we're going to look specifically at one wonder interests a lot of people Chelsea and Liverpool Rob it will be the game of the weekend you will agree mm-hmm. Antonio Conte has come out and said that the fixture planning is is a strange one and has asked the media to to highlight the issue of mm-hmm. the fact that he was up all night coming back from their match against Carabag and the plane and preparing for this Liverpool game that is a bit odd to be fair isn't it that they are in this situation that the match wasn't maybe on Sunday yeah, and and many many managers have spoken about it, and it's it's definitely a problem. It's definitely a problem in England, um, in the Premier League, in Italy and Germany. It would never happen, um, because they look after their their own teams and they give them the the best opportunity to recover because they want them to do well in Europe. Um, but mm-hmm. it happens over and over again in England, and the whole. The whole fixture list is getting more and more congested. The players are playing, you know, two times a week, and then when they're off, they're gone off with their international teams, and you know you're going to end up killing the players because you know you have international competitions as well in the summertime. Um, this is such a big game um, and such a high-profile game that the players deserve the right to be able to show off their best form on the day, um, and you know. Chelsea only having a couple of days to prepare for this and then having to go into that game on the Saturday you know it's not it's not fair to them it's not fair to to, to Liverpool either it should have been scheduled on the Sunday or on, on the Monday to give them a better chance um, they're talking about now in the Premier League that they're they're, they're going to extend um, uh, games into uh, Saturday evening so you're going to have a prime time slot Premier League game at seven forty-five on a Saturday evening. But so I, that's going to mess again. I thought that, that was. I thought that was just blown out of the water. That Terry because La Liga, for example. No, no, the clubs, the clubs now are, are actually looking to engage with, with, with okay. the Premier League on this because it, it'll bump up the, the 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 amount of money that they can earn from the the next um, TV rights contract. Um, they, they also tried to introduce games on, on, on Christmas Eve um, the billions just aren't enough the, really the billions aren't I mean look they're earning like they've more money than God the Premier League teams and it's just it's it's absolutely bizarre but if England if English teams want to succeed in Europe and the Premier League have any interest which they probably don't to be fair because they're earning enough from that product alone um, they need to give English teams a chance to be able to prepare properly for domestic games and for European games by scheduling the um, the fixtures around those and having a bit more forward thinking. Yeah, sir. Like certainly in Spain, we're both aware of the fact that the teams that are in the Champions League sometimes have their games played on a Friday night 
ahead of the Champions League game the following midweek. So there is scope for that, and especially with their, with the option of playing Friday night games, they certainly could have. We just say if there are two or three of the teams that are playing on a Tuesday night in the Champions League, surely they could try and schedule one game for uh, one of those teams at least to play on a on a, the, on a the problem Friday night. Potentially, the potentially, it's not that easy, I know, but. The problem is in England, it would have to be a one fit for all because on, on Tuesday nights in the Champions League, you you have two English teams playing, and on Wednesday nights you have two English teams playing as well. So, well, three and one and two. Three, three yeah. Yeah, at the moment, at the moment yeah, yeah. we have five teams in, and so look, they they have to they have to do the same for everyone, and if there were exceptions, Fair then enough. it's going to lead to problems and hmm. and, uh, and complaints. So it would have to be a one fit for all solution. Okay, just to look at this particular fixture in closer order. Chelsea are presently third. They've won eight of their 12 games, drawn one, 23 for and 10 against. Their home form is not that convincing, though. They've only won three of the six matches at home. They've lost twice, drawn another two games. So, sorry, lost, yeah, lost twice, drawn another one game. So, they are kind of in a... Where are Chelsea? Where this is this is exactly why I want to discuss this fixture quickly because we don't really know what exactly Chelsea or Liverpool are at at the moment. Because especially problem. Liverpool, for example, who again coughed up a three goal lead in Sevilla tonight. Again, going back to the same old problem with them defending is an issue. But Chelsea and Liverpool, what can? Where are they going to go this season? What are they going to achieve? I think the problem with Chelsea is there's, there's so much uncertainty around uh, around the, the manager's position um, that it has an effect at, at the start of the season he obviously has some sort of an issue with, with the, the powers that be at Chelsea in terms of the players that were allowed to go um, manage mm-hmm. for example and the players that he was allowed to bring in and he also had the situation with Diego Costa as well um, I think in terms of their home form yeah it has been a bit patchy I think you can write off the first game um, of the season uh, was it against Burnley yeah uh, when they lost the two players sent off that was a freak result um, I've been quite impressed with them I thought they were very good against um, Man United a couple of weeks ago when they beat them 1-0 with that Maratta goal they were resolute but they seem to be reliant on whether Eden Hazard is going to turn up for creativity because Cesc Fabregas can be a bit hit and miss but I think this actually could be a game for um, Cesc Fabregas to shine um, those balls that he plays over the top in between the two defenders will be perfect against Liverpool who seem yeah. to have a problem right in that area um, and also, if if Hazard um, is on top form, he'll tear that Liverpool defence apart. There's no doubt about it. He'll pull them all all over the pitch. Um, so I think I think Chelsea, I think I think Chelsea will be competing with United for for, for second place. Um, they'll definitely be there thereabouts of the season as as the season reaches its climax. I think they're in a stronger position now than Tottenham. I think Tottenham have uh, had their confidence knocked by that result against um, Arsenal and you know people keep on pointing to the fact that they haven't picked up uh, many points against the top six as of late um, Chelsea just seem to be in a better position at the moment I think things have died down in terms of Antonio Conte's uh, the uncertainty over his position so I think Chelsea will come strong Just in Liverpool there just touching on the defensive statistics They've conceded 17 times. They've conceded more goals than any other team in the top seven, which presently includes Burnley, who only conceded nine. It's a very damning enough statistic in terms of Jordan Klopp's management. It is, and it's the same kind of goals that they're conceding all the time from set pieces and from balls in between uh, the two centre-backs. Like Um, you mentioned there, but Whoever they have playing at centre-back, they can't... 
they can't decide who goes and attacks the ball and who drops in behind and that's a big problem they're very static they're right next to each other all the time is that, that's a leadership is- issue isn't it's it? a d- leadership issue because you need a guy who's back back there organising telling the midfielders to, to pull in when you're under pressure mm. Liverpool don't have a guy that does that um, they also have a big big problem with um, Marino at a left back he's costing goals all over the place costing yeah. two goals again he's a cliche great going forward can't defend type character isn't yeah he? he can't defend but you know he probably ha- does have the ability to defend but he needs someone to pull him to the side and say you know stay in your you position need, sometimes you, you need to you know forget about going past the halfway line and, and stay in your position and just hold it that goal that he conceded in Sevilla the other night uh, for, for the equaliser was a disgrace <laughs> it really was like um, the ball dropped in the box mm. and your man had all the time in the world to knock it in um, because no Liverpool player attacked it they were just watching it um, but again leadership again you know, it's, it's leadership no we're willing to take responsibility to go and attack yeah, the ball it's, yeah and, and clearly Liverpool have identified a player who they think they can be it can be a leader Virgil van Dijk but He's not going to come in and solve all their problems. No. It's you know that's a top-down issue. The manager needs to get um, to, to get the players on the training pitch and and work out strategies where where they stop conceding these silly goals and making these ridiculous mistakes. You you would imagine though that they surely do that. I mean, at this point in time, behind closed doors, he's surely aware that but they're making errors at the back. It's happened, surely so, can be avoided. It's happened so many times now that you'd you'd begin have, to think, you'd have to think that, you know, I mean, we've seen with Pep Guardiola before, he, he'll only play one way, you know. he. I mean, he said before he doesn't coach tackles, and maybe Klopp is a bit like that. You know, he came from that gegenpressing philosophy in, in Germany where, you know, <clears throat> the the game plan is to win the ball as high up the pitch as possible, um, and and Liverpool do that, and they have some fantastic attacking players. Mo Salah is is the signing of the Excellent, season. Uh, um, he's banging in the goals and scoring all types of goals as well, frightening the life of the defenses. And Liverpool do win the ball back very well, um, but you know the problem is mixing up in midfield, and then when it comes to the the, the back line, if they're put under any pressure at all, they will straight away. Which is bizarre, really, because given they have this capacity to attack in such devastating fashion, that if they did start out the defence, they would be a very, very potent force. It kind of reminds me of um, Matt Busby when he was manager of United in the 60s. Obviously, I wasn't alive in the 60s, but you see the videos and you hear the, hear the stories, and he basically just used to give the ball to the lads and say, go and enjoy yourselves, and, you know, <clears throat> the philosophy was, um, we'll score more goals than them. You know, don't worry about defending, and that seems to be the the way this Liverpool side are going. Give me a prediction for the match. I think Chelsea will beat Liverpool. I think they're a better side, um, but as I said, a lot depends on whether uh, Eden Hazard turns up on the day. Excellent stuff, Rob. Thank you very much for that. It's not just about the man in front of you; it's the team behind you. You fight together. Or you fall together. Only one team can stand tall. Ronan O'Gara, Donal Lenehan and Simon Lewis write exclusively for the Irish Examiner throughout the rugby season. For their brilliant insights on this week's key matches, get behind the Irish Examiner. Okay, so now we're joining Paper Talk Extra uh, with Irish Examiner Sports' Owen Cormican to discuss Sunday's Munster Club football final at Parky Key Ring, Parky Ring, 
um, Nemo Rangers and Dr. Crokes. On Dr. Crokes went into this match, an unbelievable runner form in the Munster Club Championship. They're odds on favourites to win. They tick all the boxes, to be fair. But Nemo are Nemo, and if there are two teams in the province that could produce a thriller on Sunday, there's definitely these two clubs, isn't it? Absolutely, and if there's any team in Munster that Crokes will be wary of, mm. it's Nemo because it is Nemo that Crokes took over from. It was Nemo who were the powerhouse in Munster, you know, the last decade, you know, six Munster titles before, between even 2000 and 2010, and Crokes have taken over and won four of the last six. And, you know, even chatting Dahi Casey at the um, Crokes press night on Monday, he was saying... You know, 10 years ago, Nemo was the blueprint that we were looking at, which is, you know, um, you know, a strange admission in that you just didn't expect to hear. But he's like, yeah, you know, they were the club we were looking at 10 years ago as how to model ourselves on, you know, as to how to establish ourselves. And you just look what they've done, you know, four in the last six, going for five and seven monster titles, that is. If they win on Sunday, it would be their 18th consecutive um, championship victory in all competitions so that's County, Munster and All-Ireland and they have not lost a fixture in Munster since Sunday's very opposition beat them way back in January of 2011. Incredible run and just an incredible team. There's a potential symmetry there isn't there that if Nemo got a result on Sunday you know but at the same time I suppose when you're looking at a fixture like this a lot of people are a lot of people we've been talking to during the week are giving Nemo a great chance of winning the game. You you would have obviously have to say that they do have a great chance, but I just get the impression that maybe Croke's greater experience at the moment because Nemo Nemo are quite a young enough team that maybe that might be the difference on the day. Where I see it being decided, um, and I I expect. Crokes to win. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Nemo won. I'm not trying to take the, the easy way out in saying that, but um, I expect Crokes to win. I'll be tipping them um, to win in Saturday's paper. Is just the strength of the Crokes defence. You know, the two sides have excep- exceptionally strong forward units. There's no one arguing that. You look at the Crokes unit, you know, Michal Burns, Kieran O'Leary, Dahi Casey, Cullum Cooper. Like, Tony Brosnan came on for Kerry in the 2016 All Ireland quarter final against Clare brought on by Eamon Fitzmaurice and yet cannot make his club team that is the strength of the front six for Crokes equally Nemo have a very very strong front six in Paul Kerrigan Luke Connolly Barry O'Driscoll three exceptional forwards three of the best forwards in Cork and then you know Kieran Dalton Colin Tucker Bryan what a servant he's been to the club mm-hmm. and Paddy Gumley who's just been excellent last couple of months so they to an extent cancel each other out even if Crokes are, are somewhat ahead in that department they're quite similar Midfield strong too. It's you know when you start to compare the defenses, Crokes' defense, in my opinion, is a lot stronger, and I expect them to do a better job containing the Nemo attack than the Nemo defense will do in containing the Crokes attack. You know the Nemo defense has also suffered the loss of their right flank, Keen McWinnie, um, suffering that terrible injury in the county final, and Thomaso Shea um, also injured. So like that, that's a third year defense gone. That weakens your hand. Um, and Especially they, on the same side as well. Yeah, and they just don't have the strength and depth that Crokes do. So, you know, even if they had their strongest starting six defenders, they were still going to be up against it. But, you know, you're down two guys. You're bringing in two lads who aren't making the team all year. And that's no disrespect to them. Um, but just, you know, we're being kept out by the 
by the 6th the start of the county final so they're going to have a major job on their hands and as I said now I'm repeating myself but I just feel the Croaks defence will do a better number on the Nemo attack than the Nemo defence will do on the Croaks forward unit One element from the Croaks arsenal this uh, season in particular and it's obviously getting recognition now in that there's a lot of people saying he could potentially end up as Kerry number one is Shane Murphy and his restarts have been one particular element of Cork, of Croaks um game plan that is is of utmost importance and when you have fellas in midfield like Emerson O'Donovan and Johnny Buckley and you've even Gavin Way who can supplement from wing back that makes an unbelievable difference and it's probably an area where Nemo could find life difficult in the sense that Ian Maguire caused him so much problems against when they played the Bears in the county final is that a fair assumption? Yeah and look we, we I come to me feeling a second first point on Shane Murphy Shane went in with the Kerry Seniors this year he's now the established number two for the Kerry Seniors that tells you of his calibre mm. he also came across from Kilcommon I believe now I hope I'm not getting that wrong but he transferred clubs there a couple of years ago he has been you know a major addition to this unit absolutely and having seen them I'd say three times in the county championship has an excellent relationship with his defence for a man that didn't grow up with his defence yeah. um, to midfield then yeah Johnny Buckley was sensational against Kilmaria Bricken um, absolutely sensational you know something like I think 9 out of 10 kickouts um, Croaks won the first Nine out of Kilmurray Ibrickin's first ten kickouts, like Buckley was just taking everything down, and that was the platform because you know there was just this constant supply of ball going into the front six. And given the talent on front six, if you feed them often enough, they will do the damage. And then you have—it's not like you know—you have a nobody beside Buckley. You have Ambrose O'Donovan, um, and as you rightly pointed out, Nemo suffered big time in the drawn match in the county final, where Maguire caused them untold damage. And Larry Kavna, um, the Nemo manager, when chatting to him yesterday, look, he rightly acknowledged that, you know, Buckley has been excellent for them and that Nemo had problems at at midfield, you know, against the bar. So that's an area where Nemo, not so much are going to have to get on top, but are going to have to at least try and break even and nullify to some extent um, Johnny Buckley. And again, as you pointed out, behind them, tearing forward, you have Dave O'Leary, Fionn Fitzgerald and Gavin White. The latter is such an exciting talent mm. and will in the next two years establish himself in the half-back line for Kerry. So, so look, this is why Croaks are all Ireland club champions because when you're looking at the team, you're seeing so many different match winners, you know, and there's so, so few weaknesses. Um, you know, again, just paraphrasing what Larry Kavna was saying to me and, you know, it's in today's paper. You look at a club team and you expect to know two or three of their forwards, a midfielder and two or three of their backs. We all, by this stage now... No, we couldn't almost name off the Croaks team because they're so strong and so established and so many of them have won the green and gold. So there's just so many areas for um, for Nemo to be looking at. So they're gonna have a they're gonna have a lot to do on, on Sunday. Croaks are slightly just, just behind Carfin in the in the betting for the All Ireland title this year. Carfin are just marginal favourites. I think Carfin, just on a side note, I think Carfin might come on stock against Castlebar on Sunday. I think that's a very, very hard game to call. I know that Carfin beat him 17 points to 14 last year, but I do believe that Castlebar could possibly turn that around. So maybe it could be a case that after Sunday, assuming that you are going to go with Croaks, that Croaks will be the favourites to retain the All Ireland title. I'm I am I'm not a betting man, so don't be looking at the betting websites. I'm I'm very surprised to hear that Curfin are favourites for the Andy Merrigan because as you pointed out, you know, not a great history against Castlebar Mitchells. Mm. Castlebar Mitchells, the game is in Tume. The last two times Castlebar Mitchells have come to Tume, they have beaten Curfin. 
Um, it was when Carfin went to Castlebar that they beat Caspar yeah. Mitchells. Caspar, an excellent team with Danny excellent. Kirby, Paddy, Paddy Durkin, Owen O'Reilly. Really, really good team. So mm. you know that I would see that as being closer to call, more difficult to call than this. Um, and this is difficult enough to call as is that being the Crokes Nemo match. Um, looking ahead then to the All Ireland series, like if, if whoever wins this are playing Schlock Neil, I don't see why they're not being considered in the reckoning. Obviously, Schlock Neil have to beat Cavan Gales. You know, I appreciate there's an Ulster football final still to be played, but I expect Schlock Neil to win that, and then they play the winners of the Munster competition. You cannot write them off. You know, they were All Ireland finalists in 2015, 2017. There seems to be. No hangover there. They've got straight back up on the horse. They're determined to go again. You know, amazing club, aren't they? Phenomenal. You know, the Camogie women won the All Ireland club last year. They've successfully defended their Ulster title. The Hurlers won a first Ulster last year. They've already defended that Ulster title, so they have two teams ready to go for next mm. February. The footballers will be looking to add a third. So I would say, you know, at the moment, I'm not sure who's going to come out of Leinster, and we still have to play the semi-finals there. But obviously, if the winners of this playing Schlock, you know, Schlock need to win Ulster, I'd find that very hard to call. And by the same token, very, very hard to call um, a winner from Sunday's Connacht final between Castlebar and Curfin. Not to mind being stalling Curfin as favourites for the All Ireland. Excellent stuff, Owen Cormacan. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.